This program was first broadcast on Canterbury's access media station, Plains FM, and was made with the assistance of New Zealand On Air. Tanya, your host for Fail Better, and today I welcome Koti. Koti runs her own yoga studio, Yoga by Koti, and the least I can say is that you breathe and live yoga. You are at the top of your game. You've gained several degrees in yoga. You've won also the New Zealand Exercise Industry Award in 2016. You have also been twice invited at the TEDx Youth here in Christchurch. You've attended the forum Sharing Yoga for Social Enterprise, and in 2019 you also became a life keeper. And that is that you follow the program as part of the suicide prevention. You've also fought yoga at the Youth Justice Center. Your expertise and achievements in our community are mind-blowing. So welcome, Koti. What an introduction. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm really in full awe for what you've done and already realized and achieved. So I was wondering for our audience, could you tell us a bit more about your journey, how you came to yoga? And yes. Yeah, thank you for having me. Um, I guess I started practicing yoga when I was going through a hard time. A friend introduced me to the practice, and it became more than the physical aspect. Um, it became this place where I was meeting myself for the first time, and I started feeling a bit addicted to that, that mm -hmm. feeling of being present in my body, being aware of my mind and my sensations and feelings and emotions and something that I was very de-associated from, I guess. And it was the first time where I was putting thoughts, dots together, if that makes sense. Yes. Yeah. Um, I was wondering, you're saying it was a place where you met yourself. Could you be a bit more specific? What yeah, sure. I guess I didn't feel my body before. I feel I was living always in my head and I was really disconnected from feeling my toes, feeling mm -hmm. my fingers. And that practice was teaching me to take control and to come back inwards, a place that I hadn't been because I was quite, ex like I think I was living outwards, if that makes sense as well. I think I was not wanting to go in through because of fear or shame or unknowing disconnection. I didn't know what I was doing really as well. So the yoga practice started helping me to, it, it taught me how to get to know myself, I guess. Um, am I correct if I'm thinking that I'm sensing that on the one hand there was like this kind of image, you were saying you were living outwards, and on the other hand, yoga allowed you to find a certain authenticity? Or yeah, to connect it, it to helped me to find myself. I guess I've always been a bit of a rebel <laughs> growing <laughs> up um, and very uh, drawn to my own ideas. And But with yoga, before yoga, I guess I was someone that was very easily to manipulate and it was easier to... I was more of a follower. Mm -hmm. I didn't have the belief that I could have my own, or that I could make my own decisions. I guess I didn't even know I could, mm -hmm. do you know? So people would do that for me. And in terms of music, what I wear, and my friends influenced me a lot. Relationships influenced me a lot. And 
there was no there was not that it was a lack of authenticity, but I think there was more like a um I was drifted, you know, mm-hmm. I was being drifted by anyone and I would just fit in. I didn't really worry about uh, what I wanted to do. I don't think I ever really asked myself what I wanted to do and be mm-hmm. up until I discovered the practice and I started realizing that it really is all about me and not in an egocentric way, but in a caring way, you know, in a, in a loving way. It is about me. Like, what do I want to eat? What do I sure. want to wear? Sure, it is about you. Mm. It is about our lives. It mm. is about us. It's mm. about you. It's about me. And it's definitely worth it thinking about it. What do you want? What do I want? Totally agree on that one. Yeah. You were mentioning a few emotions like fear, mm-hmm. also some shame, also mm-hmm. I would say the influence of the environment. Um, you also were saying, I referred to one of your TED Talks, it's emotions we all experience, no matter where we come from or our level of education. What do these emotions do, like fear, anxiety, anger, and shame? What is the impact on us short and long term? So without bringing science, and I'll bring my own belief here, is that I feel those emotions become a stain in our hearts. And it grows quite rapidly. So if I think about science, then you have the parasympathetic system and then you go the sympathetic system so when we hold on to these emotions we're kind of running on adrenaline and we're kind of the sympathetic system helps us is the system that tells you like fight flight mm-hmm. um so if you are living on those emotions you're basically living in survival mode mm-hmm. so you're not giving the body the space to restore to find calm um, that's what the parasympathetic system does to us is that we we go back to calm, we go back to a restoration. But when we dive into fear, it kind of takes over. So <clears throat> I believe that if we don't acknowledge or address these emotions, I think they kind of rule our lives. Yeah. So if I think about a... a going deeper or further illness. Uh, I, I think we have a very disconnect, big, it's a bit of ignorance as well that because mental health is not intangible, we don't care. We don't really acknowledge it. I can't see it, it might not be real, but... Or it's not that bad, maybe. Yeah. Because if you have a broken arm, at least it's visible, you yeah. have a cast. But if you have a broken mindset... That's the thing. We're, Nobody we're, sees it. Yeah, it could be so, still an image of success and happiness mm-hmm. and actually dying inside. And and I think that's the problem that we have. We don't we don't go inwards. We I had someone saying a young person saying to me once, I don't have a mental health. And that level of ignorance shocked me because I was like, This is where, why we are where we are, because we don't even understand what mental health is. We don't we think that if I suffer from mental illness, I have a mental health. But your physical health, physical well-being and mental well-being are both equally important. So mm-hmm. if we don't allow space for those emotions to move through us, we're contaminating our hearts and it becomes illness and it becomes disease and it becomes, and that is uh, studies that shown 
the impact of stress on our heart, the impact of stress in our body. Recently, we discovered this a lot of emotions in our bodies uh, or the stress is, gets stuck in I our heard body. About the guts, yeah, the yes. gut. And so I think that should be the foundation for us. Like if we find ourselves that we put on weight and we're not liking our weight, we might reduce the amount of bad food, bad food right? Or the mm-hmm. fries or, or the deep fry food that we eat or the takeaways. If we find ourselves low, we don't do anything. We cannot keep going deeper. So yes. I think why, my, I guess my question to the audience, like why do we address our physical health or our physical appearance so much more than our mental appearance or our mental health, and which is the one that, to me, it's more important? Well, what you were actually what I would like to come back to is what you were saying about when we're stressed or in fear, we live in this kind of primal fear, flight or fight mode. Mm-hmm which is survival. And Mm. I would like to ask you, talking about survival, survival, living life to the full, what would make the big difference there? How how would you advise to actually tackle that problem of survival? How could you just shift from survival mode to Mm. living it fully? I think it's becoming really humble about acknowledging that you're not living. You know, I think it's becoming really aware that there are times in our lives that we need support. I think it's a t- it takes time. Everyone is different. For me, it's a, been a transition of physical practice of yoga, meditation, um, community, my friends, therapy. It's been incredible. Verbal therapy has been incredible for me. Um, energetical healing as well. It's been amazing for me. I'm open to that. But I think it's like open to heal. And I think when we hear the word heal as well, we're like, it cannot emphasize or, you know, points to that you're broken or you there's something wrong. Mm-hmm. But I think we the, the healing, it's it's not about, you know, when we went through the earthquakes in Christchurch, we all needed healing from that. Yes. So sure. that's the sort of healing I'm talking about. It's not, it's something that a trauma comes from someone feeling in a situation overwhelm and that trauma can be my friend told me that I was ugly can have the same impact as losing a parent yes we can't measure that so it's not really a competition about how much you suffer. One is worse, one is not so yeah. bad. It's just But that's for that's for, for for our understanding. But for that person that the friend told them to you're ugly, it's as bad as someone losing that. So Of course, yes. You know, it's, it's based on our understanding and how we navigate the world. So when we're running on adrenaline, it's really hard to get out of that space. But I also think we do have the awareness to to notice, taking notice, just paying attention. Are you drinking more than usual? You know, are you staying up until really late? And then are you having, why are your thoughts? What sort of thoughts do you have? And are they healthy? And if you have got a few things that tick no, 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 then I think for me that's an awareness of like, okay, something is not right. Mm-hmm. Um, in the past, I've reached out to friends and I've said like, I, I have this situation I actually don't know. I know this isn't okay. I don't know how to handle this or how to manage this. And there's always some guidance, you know. We have the 
you mentioned life keepers, you know, 1737 for people that don't want to involucrate their friends, mm -hmm. for people that don't want to bring their family or their friends in because this is something private. Or you maybe also they feel ashamed about. Uh, yeah, that shame is a big one of that. Yes. It's a big aspect of no, of suffering in silence. But that's a contact number where you can talk to someone. They won't be judging you, doesn't know you. And their job is to listen to you. And their job is to ideally provide you resources so you can manage. Um, but I think the first steps is awareness. And then you can start shifting and transitioning because it's really hard to say, how do you shift from here to here? Because for some people it might be addiction, for some people it might be um, a self-talk might be diet. So I said, what is it, the issue, the underlying issue? And I think our mindset really has a lot to do with that. Mm -hmm. Like what is our mindset set us? And if you realize that your mindset is actually not very um, proactive or it's not very practical, then we can start intervening. And we use things like yoga and meditation and dance and painting there's so many ways to express i feel like it's why important to say that for me verbal therapy works but that therapy is also for me a big part of my therapy is dancing yes it's become even i don't want to say more important than verbal therapy but as important and those sessions for me are healing the root of my suffering every time I dance and it's this freedom, it's this release, it's this, and it is my therapy. So we all find different things, but I think it's understanding that you are allowed to need support. You're way. allowed to be fragile. Could I summarize that? You're allowed not to be always on top of the game. You're yeah. allowed to be fragile. You're allowed to be vulnerable Yeah, and not to have the answers. You were talking as well about, um, yoga and movement mm -hmm. but i also heard the idea of like probably standing still at some point having a break and just ask yourself where am i what am i doing am i happy am i feeling okay mm -hmm. and on that i would like to introduce well to have a short break with you and you have chosen a song so please introduce I our have, short break i have chosen a song that <laughs> it saved me every time i felt overwhelmed or i felt i was going through hardship and It's a song that I know was written with the intention of helping people. And this is um, Be Yourself from Audio Slave or Chris Cornell. Mm -hmm. um, very important artist in my life. And I think this song is a very, it's on my playlist. Like it's a song that once a month it has to be on because it empowers me to the best thing I can do for myself is to be myself. And it's like my anthem, you know, it's like my... You know, okay, yes. So, the go-to happy yeah. song when, when things are a bit low.
at the top of your game and you had your yoga studio and your classes and then as everybody else here on this planet on planet hmm. earth we had covid kicking in and lockdowns i was wondering how did it impact you because actually we do often practice yoga in classes as a community so how did you navigate those stressful times i think It was the worst thing to do for COVID, you know, locking people in a room to breathe together, not very COVID friendly. Um, how I navigated that, I think by having an understanding that it wasn't just me, I wasn't alone on this. So mm -hmm. I think this hardship was actually quite easy because we were collectively going through the same thing. And so for me, it was just that understanding that it will pass and also... I've got the basics. Mm -hmm. So it's almost like coming from a place of, um, I don't know, kindness and saying like, I, I appreciate what everything is going wrong, but what is going right? I've got a roof, I've mm -hmm. got food, I'm safe, I have my health. So, and I do think I apply that in hardship anyway. I think it's something that, oh, it could be worse. And it's probably not be the best attitude, but it really helps me to get through The situation. But at the same time, I was just wondering as well, yoga is also your livelihood. It was also your income oh, yeah. and revenue. So yeah. I was just wondering that that must have had, I suppose, an impact really, yeah. because it was really like your existence, which was suddenly mm. like shaken to the core. Yep. So I've lost a big chunk of my work and I shift to uh, online classes on Zoom and which you needed an investment in a way because you needed to buy the software, which was like money's not coming in, but money's going out. Um, but I think that's when I learned that we care for each other and that I have a good community because I opened donations mm -hmm. and I did all my classes for free. And it was really important for us to stay together. And some people wouldn't even do the yoga sometimes, but they would just be there. And for them, it was like, that's, that's our community. So also, I have an incredible landlord and I have friends that, you know, like I, I knew I wasn't going to, I wasn't going to end up on the street, if that makes sense. Like, yes, I, I know but that. I have to say, I am in full admiration that in spite <laughs> of all that, you just went on giving your classes for free online that you just... We needed them, though. I'm sure you absolutely needed them, but I'm just thinking, I'm thinking of myself, I be shaken to the core and I would be in yeah. such a state of panic. Mm. I think that that probably would best think, define how I would have felt in your in your I shoes. I think it was Mother Teresa that say, if you feel helpless, help someone. 
If you feel, if exactly you feel hopeless, you if you feel hopeless, help someone. And that never left my mind. So I felt lost. I felt overwhelmed. I felt like a failure in a way because my business was crashing down and I didn't really have a... But it was not you. It was I just know. a circumstance. Yeah. So it's interesting. You bring it up, I felt like failure, but it was really not you. And because there was the entire I, I world there to the show thing. you it's not you, mm, it's not I your fault. That was the thing. It was to do with control. I had no control to help myself out of that situation. So I felt like a failure because I didn't budget it. I didn't prepare for such a rainy month. could have done that? I know, I know. Who but this is the mindset that you're kind of going through. Also, I live by myself. So going through the lockdown on your own, you've got a lot of time to think, you know. <laughs> so, But filling up my day, giving yoga to the people, I, I could see the people were willing to give me back. And even people that weren't even in the country were donating because they were like, how are you doing? I'm like, oh, doing. Yes, wow. So it we help each other. An amazing, I would say, an amazing wave of solidarity that mm. I'm seeing in reciprocity. Giving and receiving. Which went yeah. in both, It's giving and both receiving. directions. Mm-hmm. Um, now that we're talking about environment and context, you've been just showing, I would say, one of the most amazing things that mankind is capable of. But I also wanted to come to your experience you've had with the Youth Justice Center. You explained that at the beginning, the kids were like rocks and following your nine-week program, they sparkled like beautiful crystals. But you also mentioned how your environment was extremely judgmental about it and that they were saying, well, you know, why would you dedicate time to those people? I would like to hear some of your comments and of your experiences. With the- yeah, um, I, I think... I think- That was what even made me push harder because I I started my journey here and let's be honest, I'm not white. I'm a foreign. I have an accent. I'm a female. <laughs> I speak my truth. I am real and I'm authentic and I don't have family. So mm-hmm. I'm not a really you know, if you if you if you describe it like that, it's like mm, for for this society. You and come across as somebody, I would say, on the margin or at least lonely as well, for what I'm hearing. I would well, say like alone I, I in a certain way. Yeah, but I, I think my job is so social that I really yes. need and enjoy. I, mm-hmm. I feel my cup in solitude. Mm-hmm. And I am a bit of a loner and I really like my company because I didn't know how to, I don't know how to not be myself. Mm-hmm. I don't know how to not be on my own company. So I really enjoy my own company. So... When people are like, oh, you must be lonely. And I'm like, being alone doesn't mean lonely. Like sometimes if I'm with people, I'm just like, I really want to be with myself. I can totally get that. Yeah. So I really like to acknowledge, I, I respect when I have the need to be in solitude. Yes. So But, how did you then connect, I would say, with this, I would say, very unusual uh, students you had and with the youth mm. from the Justice Center? How did that work then? I mean, in spite of, I would say, some hostility maybe or judgment and bias from um, some of your surrounding, you said you just felt like persevering more. I so think, how I think did it, it was. I think now that it's been a few years I and I'm a bit older and I've gone, in, I've gone through enough things and I'm not as naive, I do think it was jealousy. I do think I trigger tall poppy syndrome on people um, because from all the people doing this job, no one thought about them. And the first thing I did when I finished graduating, it was like, who can I help with this? Mm-hmm. Because yoga saved my life. And I was like, how can I, how can I not share this? And who really needs this? 
And who needed this was the youth kids. Or the and so what did you notice in terms of the progress? What did you notice? What did it trigger with your students? It triggered an awakening within me because I started reaching audiences that weren't targeted through yoga. They really are now. It's very mm -hmm. trendy to do trauma yoga. And I let's keep that trend. Like same with the vegan. <laughs> let's keep it trendy because it helps people great. But I think it triggered me to see, to understand trauma from a different place. Mm -hmm. Those kids were traumatized. Something was given to them. Sure, they committed crimes, but they didn't know any better. And your environment is very decisive on how you behave. So if you grew up with a father that was a drug dealer and a mother or a grandfather, a grandparent that was a um, gang member, that's what you know you're going to look up to be. You, we don't know, they didn't know any better. When these kids started to understand that the, the things they did were wrong and bad, they felt, a lot of, they felt a lot of shame and a lot of guilt for, they, it was hard for them to forgive themselves. But I think the yoga allowed them to, if you can forgive yourself, yourself it doesn't matter if people don't forgive you, but you, you got to forgive yourself exactly. and give yourself a chance, I think. I think what you're also telling me is the fact that sometimes we're our worst judges, isn't it? We're always the oh, hardest yeah. on ourselves and yeah. the, our worst critics, actually. And, and those kids were shining. Once they, held, once they hit someone, they care. And I think that's why I'm the person that I am, because I saw the transformation. They just needed someone to care. Mm -hmm. And I did care, and I genuinely do. And I really wish they're doing great. And, and I know they are, because I saw it in them. Mm-hmm. Um, I was wondering, how do you see success? And we've been talking about so many things. Um, mm -hmm. Failure, the gaze of the others, mm -hmm. reciprocity as well. I would mm -hmm. say, like I said, the beauty of mankind as well, solidarity mm -hmm. when things are tough. Mm -hmm. What is, according to you, I would say, a successful life? A successful life, I think, a life where you can be at peace with yourself. So a lot of people make comments about my social media. Oh, you've got so many likes. I'm like, yeah, but that's not the money in my bank account. <laughs> Do you know, it, it doesn't, being popular doesn't mean anything. That's not success. Having my money full of, or a bank account full of money doesn't make success for me. Being at peace and being satisfied with what I do, going to bed knowing that I might have made a difference on one student is actually why I do what I do. For me, that's when I feel successful, when I have a student saying, like, you know what? And I've have, I have a lot of this, and I've had them in, over the years. Like, I don't cut myself anymore because that's you're teaching strong. me. It's very intense very, to hear very, that. Very, very strong. That's why I need therapy, because I need help, someone to help me cope this with what course, I have exactly. to deal with. Because people trust you, people look up to you, and people... Feel share safe and feel yeah. safe to share their vulnerability. And I feel yes. so honored and grateful, but I also need resources to deal with that. Sure, you need and to keep yourself in balance. Yeah, because but for this me, could train you. for me, that's success. Okay. So knowing that that kid, it's gonna shift their mindset to a more proactive and positive. And money doesn't repay that. There's not money exactly. they can repay the fact that a kid felt safe enough to trust themselves to not do that under my guidance. It's not about the money in your bank account. It's the difference mm -hmm. you can make in somebody else's life. But at the same time, being respectful and caring mm -hmm. and I would say also tolerant towards yourself and not too harsh. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Koti, for Thank today's you. discussion. And you have the honor as well as my guest to introduce the last <laughs> song of today.
I'm gonna leave with um, Fat Freddy's drop, Dark Days, and listen to the lyrics. To again for the first time in so long now. Learning to see again through my pride. So long, for so long. 